This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. All right, everybody, it's Monday, and the Big Monday Show is back after our week-long hiatus for the Thanksgiving Day holiday. My co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, the sniper's with me. Barry, how are you? Pretty good, feeling good. First off the layoff, real good, real good, real good. We're fresh off the layoff. <laughs> we're firing off the layoff. We, we no, have... no second time out. We're on the first, first go-around. We have a ton of material tonight in the last week we had a bunch of major stakes run uh, all over the country we saw the end uh, the, the end the end of, of Gulfstream Park West Calder as, as a racing entity we we have the closing of Churchill Downs the Clark was was run uh, last, last Friday we we had the, the Del Mar Turf Festival which was uh had a decidedly East Coast flavor. Hmm. We have uh, coming up this week. Where oh, I mean, we haven't even got done with last week. Chuck Tampa yes. opened, and, and a horse named Grunder ran. I mean, yeah, that was amazing. That in, in <laughs> itself is 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 newsworthy. And uh, Delmar's closing, Churchill's closing, Los Al's is opening up for their brief little um, winter meet. Before Santa Anita opens up later this week, the, the championship meet at Gulfstream opens on Wednesday, which is um, kind of a twist on openings as they've been opening on, on Saturday with the Claiming Crown uh, being kind of the opening day feature. But this year they decided to open up on Wednesday, and I'm hearing that uh, fans may not be allowed. Oh, no, that hurts. Yes. Well, I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, you know, it's always good to know that uh, the fans could get their experience down at, at good old GP. Yeah, I, I don't know that for a fact yet, but, um, you know, with the spread of the COVID and the cases going up and everybody kind of panicking, the last thing they want to do is get shut down. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that, they got a little ugly last year. Yeah. <laughs> Or last meet, because right. we're still in the same year, which is nuts. Uh, the, last year, I learned a very important civics lesson that the vice mayor actually exists. I'd never even heard of a vice mayor before. But the vice mayor was very um, adamant in Hallandale that they shut Gulfstream down for reasons known only to her. But, um, yeah, that, that opens up this Wednesday. Um, yeah, I was kind of surprised that they're opening on a Wednesday um, which kind of tells me that the fan thing isn't a go because, you know, why would you open on a Wednesday <laughs> otherwise? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why, but, um, you know, it's, it's, you're getting into this nebulous area now with the COVID and I mean, you see it in, in football where, <laughs> I mean, the Denver Broncos played a game yesterday without quarterbacks, <laughs> which, which seems insane, but it happened. And now the Pittsburgh Steelers Ravens game is, which was originally supposed to be run 
a run, <laughs> played on Thanksgiving night, was moved to to uh, Sunday, then was moved to Tuesday, and now they're saying Wednesday. Yeah, they they just need to let that one go. Yeah, Wednesday at three forty is is now yeah, the new scheduled game. Yeah, so the, that's, that's there was a they're competing with you with Gulfstream. I mean, how can they compete? Uh, you know, I wonder if they decided to not, you know, play the game at one because they didn't want to coincide with, you know, Gulfstream kind of kicking off and, you know, the Steelers, you know, they might not be, you know, they might be a little afraid of Gulfstream. The, the maiden 16 turf races that they're, they're rolling out uh, to open up the the championship meet with. Uh, I mean, some one well, a couple of times I've been down there for opening day, um, and it was claiming crown day, right? And there was some great racing. I have to admit, I mean, it wasn't you know it wasn't big names and stuff like that, but I mean the the racing on those days was was excellent. I, I took my family down a couple of times um, for opening day, and it was great. Um, you know, so there's notwithstanding, you know, it's just weird to me that it's starting on a Wednesday. Yeah. yeah the the claiming crown, you, you know what? You, you get big fields in every race, and you have horses coming from a lot of different areas. And uh, favorites don't win that many of those races. Nope. And I'm sure someone will be out there, like, going through and saying, well, you know, actually. But it, it's, they're wide open races, they're good races, and... Uh, well, you know, the, the handle worst... has has gotten bigger and bigger as it's become a traditional Gulfstream opening day feature. Yeah, it, it, the handle yeah. has has increased every year. Um, this year, uh, it's I, everything is so so hard to figure this year. So yeah, why I wouldn't mean, why wouldn't that one be of my too? worst beats ever at the racetrack happened on a claiming crown day when I forget what the horse's name. I don't think the horse has won had won since. But one from the 14 hole on the turf. Five, six wide the whole way around and still one. I had no idea how that happened. I threw the horse out because I was like, there's no way this horse could run that style and still win. And it won, paid probably about $27 and knocked me out of the pick five that ended up paying like 30 grand. The only horse I ran in the claiming crown was Ari Bueno, and he drew post 13, I think, and he was about seven wide on both turns and got beat about a length and a half. So, you know, if you're in the race, you're not so happy with the 13 and 14 horse field, especially when you draw outside, but uh, but that's the way it goes. And, and they're, they're like I said, they're good betting races, and they're competitive, and it'll be a good card. Uh, it, it always is. and Yeah. It always is. Yeah, I had a, I had a great time. I think in the condition book I saw there was a, a couple turf maidens, two year old turf maiden special weights, uh, uh, that might wind up on the undercard. So it'll be a good card. And the weather's a little bit spotty, but this time of the year it it gets, you know, it gets a little spotty. We, we had a little bit of rain today, and they're calling for some rain this weekend, but it, it's. Like one, you know, chilly, right? It's gonna be a little. Tomorrow cold, right? the high is only supposed to be sixty six, which is like bitter cold here. But um, the rest of the week it's in the seventies, so it it's not bad. It's 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 been unseasonably warm, so uh, shifting back to 
you know, the weather is supposed to get at this time of year will, will be nice too. And, uh, and, you know, we'll have, just have to stay tuned to see what happens with the, uh, attendance issue because, uh, there's, you know, sometimes there's, there's forces greater than racetracks and their decisions at, at play when we're talking about the COVID. I mean, if you look about, look at what's going on in New York, I think they shut down gyms and hairstylists again. Uh, it's not something that I have a whole lot of, you know, time dealing with, but, but the point being that if they start to shut things down, they start to shut things down. And in this state, Florida is probably unique. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're the last state to probably wind up getting shut down or having things closed For off. A but, lot uh, of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we'll, it remains to be seen what what's going to happen there. And um, well, I hope they figure it out before Pegasus. That's all I want to know because I want to be there. I don't want to miss anymore. You know what's interesting and uh, talking about the Pegasus is that his the laws at Palmetto's and he's worked two solid five A's. I noticed that. I saw that today. I was reading the you know the articles on that. And Interesting. I, I thought he might might give him a little bit of a break after the Breeders' Cup, but um, he's he's firing bullets. I mean, he's he's gonna be ready. That's for well, sure. Well, I guess in a sense, he really didn't run in the classic. We, you know, he didn't really run until the final eighth. Once he kind of got out, and he came on a little bit, but you know, we'll see. I mean, I I, I think it's gonna be a, a pretty decent race. You know, last year was a little strange, you know, because it was so up in the air of who was going to show up. And then, uh, what's the horse? Uh, Omaha Beach scratched. Yeah, the late Omaha Beach scratch. Right, and that just changed the whole complexion of the race. Um, so, you know, it, it really left Mucho Gusto, who was what I thought was a huge overlay in that race. Um you know, kind of have his own way, and it was really no contest. Um, you know, hopefully this year, you know, the field fills out again, and, you know, we'll, we'll get some, something exciting. I mean, you know, barring any late scratches, like if Tis the Lost scratches late, that, that'll be a real bummer, but he seems uh, he seems very sound, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see who, who's actually going to show up. Well, he has certainly hit the ground running here is his two works have been an outstanding so um you know let's see he's gonna be the main attraction because hell everyone else retired well i saw mucho gusto's on the work tab maybe he'll show up maybe i i don't know i i know uh jesus's team jesus's team he, he's that's I, my man he's see? supposed to be prepping i believe in the um in the in the claiming crown, which I I would not that they would listen to me, but I would strongly suggest they didn't do that because that horse ran a really big race, um, in the mile he he, he got a big sheet number I think a thoroughbred number minus one or minus two, Good Lord. which actually makes him on thoroughbreds faster than tis the law. Um, but it's, you know, of course, numbers are just numbers, and 
that's what he ran in the past, not what he runs in the future. But coming back, uh, you know, off of that race, which was a big, big jump up for him, um, I think he'd be better off with more time. But you know, no one asked. Uh, I, I was surprised to see Global Campaign um, retired, and and he's passing on the Pegasus. <clears throat> that news was uh, you know, released earlier this week because. He seemed like a horse that, that would have a, a legit shot in there if he if he ran his A race. You know, with with virtually everyone else um retiring. And Right. I mean who who's left? I mean, it's not like, you know, obviously um the whole world knows that Tis the Law isn't you know, he he wasn't uh unbeatable. Um, no, no. So he he wasn't scaring anybody off, or probably isn't. Um, but everybody else, like you said, retired. It's like, all right, well, who's left? He was one of the ones that was left, and I thought he was going to show up. He ran. He's he's run well at Gulfstream in the past. I mean, I, I would have given him a shot in that race. Well, three million. The first two from the Clark are kind of tentatively scheduled to run in in the. The um the Pegasus. Well, I hope Bodie Express runs because he's a huge bet against the Bodie. The Bodie who finally broke through and and won the Clark on on Friday. Um, Code of Honor who ran second there who seems to have gotten into that kind of habit of not winning. Uh, he's I guess Shug said that he is a a good possibility for that race as well, which is good because those are decent horses and they're, you know, kind of horses that they were kind of a cut below the top, top horses. And, and now, you know, it's their time and maybe they can uh, move up and, and, and show that, uh, you know, they're, they're ready to take control of a division. It really has no leader going, going into, you know, 2021. There's, there's really nobody you're saying, Hey, this is the absolute, uh, you know, horse to beat this year. Did, I don't, I don't see that there is one, and, and tis the law. Maxfield, we gotta get Maxfield back on the map. Maxfield's gotta actually Max. Uh, Dennis's moment will not be the horse to beat. <laughs> He's still running. <laughs> as as his uh, his Pegasus prep did not work out so well, and he seems i don't know what you do with a horse like him i really don't at, at this point in time his his comeback race um off a long long time was really just not very good very very dull yeah so so he won't be one of the or it doesn't seem to be at this moment one of the uh <laughs> One of the horses that that'll be a concern in in that in that event, but um, maybe the undercard, right? Might get him again. I don't know. I, I don't know. Do they keep racing him? I mean, do they? Does it? Does he stand stud somewhere? Like, I mean, he'd have to I stand in like a regional more, market, right? Give him one more opportunity. I'm I mean, sure. I, I saw Bravazando or whatever that horse of uh, Lucas oh, is. Bravazo, Bravazo, yeah. yeah. He's standing stud too. I think. There's probably going to be more stallions next year than racehorses, the way things are going. In, didn't he run in two Pegasus, two years or one? He ran in everything. He never won anything, but he no, ran in everything. He ran. He, he was there. 
He was he was he was he was a runner. He he I thought he, he ran in the last two. He might have. He might have, but it, he, he never made any impact. That was the problem with him. He's going to stud. <laughs> I think Calumet's standing him themselves, so he's you know, get a couple mares that they bred, but but uh yeah, it's uh it's it's the stallion. You you'd think the sales are up thirty five percent, not down thirty five percent last year. Which um you know, hasn't tempered the the enthusiasm for people to retire horses to stud. And I mean, even Tom's the top. Look at Tom's the top. If, if he had been retired to stud a year ago, he would be going to a regional market for four thousand bucks. And Louisiana, <laughs> you know, now he he's going to he's getting a, a real shot. Um, and you'd think that would be a lesson that would be learned by by connections with horses that are. Um, lightly credentialed, meaning maybe they had one grade one race. That hey, maybe you can come back. Look, look at Improbable. I mean, nobody was talking about him as as a big stallion um, last year, and he comes out here this year and wins three grade, you know, three grade ones in a row. And it, it's, I mean, it's well, it's I a can, it's a great time. Some security for for one of those. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great time though for for if you have a a pretty good older horse that can get a mile and an eighth at least. There's there's a bunch of big money graded races out there that uh, that aren't going to have uh, wildly competitive fields. They just aren't. I mean, I should I shouldn't say that. Maybe they'll be competitive fields, but they're not going to be uh, wildly talented. You're not going to have to face a bunch of hardened grade one type horses because they all retired. They're all gone. Yeah, it should be interesting, especially come, you know, next summer. Like, who 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 is it that, that could step up? I mean, I guess it's it's, you know, right now you got to think Tizzalaw has got to be the front runner in in that kind of category. But I mean, he doesn't scare anybody. You know, I saw the thoroughbreds um, after the Breeders' Cup, the post Breeders' Cup thoroughbreds. And Tiz the Law never broke a zero. Or maybe he had a, a minus one half at one one of the races, the Travers, perhaps. But he was very, very steady. He was running that same number early in the year, and he was running it late in the year. And maybe he comes back as a four-year-old, and, and he bumps it up two points, three points, and all of a sudden he's running minus twos, minus threes, and he's winning all these races because that, that's, what it, that, that's what it takes to win those races. But... You know, he didn't really improve on sheets, which which is kind of strange, considering the type of horse he is and how 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 it seemed like he was a horse that was just going to get better with time, and he kind of he, flattened out. It was a little bit of a, a an illusion, you know, in hindsight, because the the horses that he was winning or 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 beating early, you know, back in you know May June ish. Those horses weren't around. No, that's true. They weren't around come Breeze Cup time. Max Clare. They weren't around. Uh, you know, um, he, he was beating up on, on pretty weak competition that, that it turned out to be. Um, none of those horses that were, you know, running behind him, uh, like Max Player, they they weren't that caliber. I mean, they're, they're nice horses, no doubt, but um, just not what it would take to win a, you know, a race like the British Cup Classic. I mean, you know, it even showed in the Derby 
that uh, it was it was just a you know obviously it's a weird year, um, but he did get a crack at it late in the year, and usually you get that improvement, like you said, you know you see horses steadily improve, and he kind of stayed the same. I mean, he literally ran the same race every time. I kept waiting for. I'll be honest. In August, I really thought he was ready. After the Travers, he was going to take the next step and 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 just, you know, continue to improve. And he just didn't. And uh, you know, it shows you though that that it's hard. <laughs> it, it's hard to keep a horse steadily improving. Um, or even steadily on that same plane for a long time, and, and he was on that for a long time, but then when everyone else kept getting a little better, and the races got, a, like, authentic, he got a little better, he got a little better, he got a little better, and you got to improve. It's one of those reasons why so many horses that are two, that run these, you know, huge dynamic races and these big, huge numbers at two, you say to yourself, what are they going to improve to? If they improve, they're going to be the best horse that ever lived. What are the odds of that happening? Like, you know, remote. It doesn't... It, 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 it's, in my time in racing, it's never happened. <laughs> never once has, has the, the, the fast figure two-year-old become the best horse that ever lived because he kept improving. They, they usually go the other way. And, uh, I mean, look at, look at Jackie's Warrior. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say Bolt Dioro is another one. Bolt Dioro, right? I mean, there's like he he looked excellent, you know, and just couldn't win a race after the after the Breeders' Cup lost. I mean, Back I, in I, the I day, running. there was a horse named A Fleet, and he had run a race early in the spring, and the thoroughbreds were like they weren't as widely spread out as they are now, or you know so many more people have access to them or, or pay attention to them. And he ran like a one or a zero early in, in, in his three-year-old campaign when fours and fives were winning grade one races, you know? And I remember talking to a guy and he said, well, the problem is these races are won by improving horses. And this horse, if he improves, he will be, be essentially the next secretariat. So he goes... What are you going to bet on? Him becoming the next secretariat or another horse at 5 to 1? <laughs> and, and 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 he was 100% right cuz the horse kind of like went backwards and then he he wound up having a being a decent sprinter but it, it was just um it's just that thought that younger horses or horses are supposed to progress. They're supposed to get a little bit stronger, a little bit faster as they go on. And of course soundness is an issue that always affects um, horses and, and it's such a, a nebulous thing in it um, trainers aren't going to come out and say well you know it's easy it's, it's taken it, it, it's taken him two days to recover from works and he used to take one and maybe he's you know feeling the effects or he's got a little arthritis doesn't that people just don't say that you know like just like athletes you, you know you see these athletes and they're getting older right and they come to spring training baseball players pitchers oh man I, I got this new workout regime and I look great and blah 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 and then you know they're, they're, you go out there and they don't even play the, the, until the, the season starts the, the 94 mile an hour fastball is suddenly 92 and then when it gets to be 91 it's really hittable and when it's 90 you know they're getting shelled 
but the guy looks great, <laughs> you know, out there. And they got <laughs> looks good. Though. It's the same right. with horses. They kind of like you know, like they tail off and they they just get to where. The, the, there was a horse uh, today, and today at Delta Downs, and for four thousand, everyone too. The horse that won the Easy Goer at Belmont last year. Um, the horse with a funny name it was I think it was Shadow Horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ran at Delta Downs today, four thousand, everyone too, and lost badly. Oof. I mean, honestly, he he really doesn't need to be running anymore. That horse, he's he's you know. Not sure you're gonna do that. But um. <laughs> Uh, not, not, it was a 4,000 dated, and this 4,000 never went twice in six months. But the point being that he went from winning a stake on the Belmont undercard to getting crushed at Delta Downs in about a year and a half. And it's, I'm sure, it's due, to, due to soundness. There's probably some soundness issues with the horse, and uh, he didn't just forget how to run. But that's the thing is that e- even at the top, e- the horses have to keep improving. And remember, the horse is at the top of the game. They have the best trainers, right? They're getting the best care. They're getting therapy. They're getting um, all the, 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 the medications, the, the Adequan, the, the joint supplements, all, all the things that you can do to try to keep a horse, just like regular athletes do. LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on, on his um, you know, upkeep of his body, of, of supplements and of workouts and stretches and uh, what's that? The hyperbaric chamber, not the, oh, hyper- the hyperbaric. Yeah, the chamber. hyperbaric and the 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 one that the free, the one that makes it cold. Cryogenic um, the, machine. Yeah, cryogenic yeah. machine ships it all over the. You know, the the top horses are getting something similar to that. That the the cheaper horses just you know you can't afford it all the time. You have a horse that's worth seventy five hundred, you can't spend uh, six thousand dollars a month, <laughs> you know, on upkeep. But um. But that being said. You know, the late bloomers, the late developers, th- this next year is crying for, for those. And we should make it clear, not in the Phillies division. The Phillies... Oh, they um, loaded. <laughs> the older Phillies with, with Monomoy's Girl and Swiss Skydiver both coming back, you you have a, a, a loaded division, like you said. It, it's th- Those two will be the, the, big, the big heavy heads, and I guarantee you they'll duck each other all year. But... Phillies, uh, you know, the, it's kind of a, uh, a birds and the bees thing, but thankfully Phillies can only have one full year, so retiring them doesn't bring that same value to the people doing the retiring as a cult who obviously can be a cash cow if they um, if they become a big-time stallion. But, um, you know, there's there's quite a few named Phillies coming back next year, which which would be nice. Uh, the turf horses this year were dreadfully bad in, 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 in the male side, the U.S. turf horses. And I don't know that, I mean, some of the three-year-olds look pretty decent. I think the, would they run a, the, the Jimmy Durante? Yeah, the Durante. Right, that was for three, three, was it three, was that the last, the Hollywood Derby was the last three-year-olds. Hollywood Derby. Yeah, Hollywood Derby. Yeah. There were some decent horses in there. And of course, you know the Euro, the uh, the Euro imports always wind up being a factor. Whoever Chad Brown gets from Europe, or um, one of the other trainers gets uh, gets from Euro, you know Euroland, and they could come over here and and be a factor as well. Because, I mean, you saw in the Breeders' Cup turf races, we just got beat up oh, pretty good. That hurts. That hurts. Just just kind of like. Uh, Chad Brown uh, and the East Coast horses did at Delmar this weekend. They 
they they beat him up pretty good. I think the the wet the only horse the West Coast won the only stake they won on the grass was the one that Phil D'Amato won, and that horse was a horse shipping in from uh, from shipping Woodbine. In from from Woodbine. Yeah, yeah, so that was a that was a Samsung horse and Samsung and unfortunately has dispersed their stock. Um, they're liquidating. I guess the next sale they might be finishing finishing it off, but. Uh, you know, and, and listen, I mean, the West Coast is, is a shell of itself at this point. You have a couple big trainers still out there, but even those guys have shifted a lot of horses east. Peter Miller's running a lot of horses in the East Coast. Doug O'Neill's running a lot more in the East Coast. Um, John Sadler's running more in the East Coast. So uh, you're just, it's just a diminished um, group of horses out there. And, uh, you know, the East Coast is, is just so much stronger. I mean... I, I remember, you know, when I was Which in college. Which is bizarre that that um, you know, you know, seeing all these guys coming east, and you see, really, I, I guess he's he's the top jockey right now, Joel Rosario going out west. It's a little I think, strange. I think just I think Joel just wants us to. I, I just don't think he likes Goldstream to be honest with you. Well, he's never ridden that great there. And, to be and I, with I you. think he just prefers to be out there in the winter time and. You know, he goes to Keeneland, then he goes to, you know, the Triple Crown races, then he goes to Belmont and Saratoga and back to Belmont. I mean, it's a pretty good circuit for him, to be honest with you. I mean, the only thing that would pique my interest is if he was going to start riding uh, Baffert horses, which there's no indication that he's he's not going to get them, but I don't see any indication that he is. So that's the, it just struck, struck me as a little strange that he would, venture out west i mean it's, it's, i think it's, it's a personal I, honestly i think it's a personal preference yeah it could be i mean obviously we don't know for sure but i i don't i don't doubt it i mean he dominated out there when he was out there yeah i mean anytime he goes back he, he has a great day yeah so i mean it's it's, it's not it's not a surprise no but, it's it's not like he won't be coming to ride the big cards anyways so yeah, I'm just, I was just, it was just curious that they went and announced it. You know, it's one thing if he shows up there and he kind of hangs out for a little while, you know, which tends to happen. But, you know, all the action is going to be at Gulfstream, to be honest, this year. Well, you know what happens. If something happens in California, he'll be over. He'll he'll be getting on a plane coming over. So, so we'll see what happens. You know, Gulfstream does run a lot of cheap races, and... It's just a fact of life there, and the cheap races are, are what they've built a lot of their their success on, big fields of cheap turf horses, and and uh, I'm okay you know, with that. Not, not that not that California is you know uh, a steady dose of uh, maidens and allowance races every day, but but there's it's just a different a little bit of a you know Gulfstream are going to be five days a week. Maybe he just wants to take a break. I mean, those guys make a lot of money. True. You know, they, they do really well, and he's been doing well for a long time. And yeah, I think I read one one about thirty grand this weekend. You know, or one day, one day, I think it was Saturday, maybe it was Friday. I don't know, but it was it amounted to probably about thirty grand. So that that would see that that would make me if I was a jockey at his level, at his age, I, I would say you know I don't really not that interested in riding those cheap climbers either because. <laughs> I I want to ride in the, in the big races. I mean, kind of like Mike Smith has become you know for invitation yeah. only. But 
uh, you know, Craig Perrette, I rode Craig Perrette a lot when I first started training, and, and it was kind of towards the end of his career, and he was a good jockey, he was a really good jockey, he was smart, and, you know, there were certain types of horses he could ride him on, and other certain types of horses he didn't want to bother riding him on, I mean, he just didn't, you know, put him on a cheap one, he's going to take off, he's not even going to, he's not even going to take the mount. <laughs> well, I remember you, you, you giving me that story uh, with Jerry Bailey, where he said, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the horse, it was him. Yeah, he just felt that he couldn't ride that horse for whatever reason. Like yeah, ninja, ninja. Yeah, but like Jerry Bailey, I, you know, one of my theories when I first started training was like, I want those guys to want to ride for me, and people forget that these are people. The the jockeys are humans like everyone else, and when they look at the program and they don't like the horse that you put them on and they don't like the next one you put them on, they don't like the next one you put them on, they start to lose confidence. And and that matters when they're riding for you because you want a confident rider. Not an overconfident rider, but you want someone to say, you know what, I know this like guy. shot. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted him to think when I put him on a horse, he saw the overnight and his name was on it, that we had a shot. Even if the horse wasn't one of the favorites, that there was a reason we were putting him in there, there was a reason I put him on the horse. And I, I used to tell him, I told Pat Day the same thing, I'm not going to put you on a bomb. I'm not going to put you on a cheap horse to try to get claimed. I'm not going to do it. I only want to ride horses on, or only going to name you on horses, I think have an actual shot of winning. And like, yeah, they're not always going to be the favorites. But I wanted them, when they went to the, the paddock, to say, hey, everything I ride for this guy's live. This horse has got a shot. Let me try to figure it out. Because... When you ride that many horses over the years, when you're on a horse is eighteen to one and it's a maiden forty and like you know this race is probably not going to make a difference in your life at all, you're you're much more likely to be less inclined to take chances than just kind of you know go once around. If the horse carries you to home, well, great, but it, it's just the way it is, and and. Uh, and this these days it, it's it's even a little different because the big outfits are so big and that the riders that ride for them know they're always going to ride for them pretty much and um it, it's kind of made it a little more top heavy on the jockey's end as well and and Joel is is, is a guy that kind of picks and chooses and you know Ron Anderson does a great job for him of course and you know, they're not wanting... He rode, like I told you, the last horse he rode for me. <laughs> I was oh, supposed to... Man. I was. He was not the jockey I named on. And, and Anderson called me and he said, well, you know, Joel, put, I'm going to put Joel on the horse. I said, you sure? You know, because this horse isn't really very good. <laughs> he's, he, he's just a horse. He's not like, you know... He goes, do you think he has a chance? He's got a chance because he's in, he's in against a bunch of horses who weren't very good either. But this is like, you know... Like, he's not really going to want to ride him, you know, but he's, no, 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 he'll ride him, he'll ride him, he's good, you know, so, so he rode him, and of course, he did the opposite of what I was hoping that he would do, but, <laughs> but it was the point being that, that maybe he's just saying, you know what, uh, I can stay out in California, I can ride four or five a day, I can ride three days a week, I can go surfing, or wherever the hell he does in his off days, and, and, uh, you know, be satisfied, maybe get a little, you know, be a little fresher when he gets gets to Keeneland and, you know, the the meat and potatoes part of the year. And, um, I, that's, that's the only logic. I mean, I guess I could call him up and ask. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it, but 
But now hey, you say you it. Stand at Aqueduct, man? So, hey, yeah. Like the inner track. What about Hawthorne? You ever thought about those ill breads in January? Nothing beats that. Hawthorne. It's it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that Hawthorne is going to be a, literally the last track in Chicago. Standard breads and thoroughbreds. That Hawthorne is it. It's like Escape from New York. You know the movie Escape from New York when New York's like, you know, it's, it's like Hawthorne is like the the last track standing there. Everything else is in shambles. So they they, they made a, a firm decision on Arlington. <laughs> I know it was it was kind of like they didn't get a I, casino I mean, when they could have got this casino. That's about as firm. I as guess so, yeah. That, that <laughs> they, says it all. It's just like uh, they said, know, we, we no, no, like we're good. Do <laughs> you want do you want this free money? No, no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're gonna keep the place open? Well, you know, we'll see how market conditions go. It's dead. If, if they run this year, it'll be we'll be lucky. It's over. You know, it's it's a shame. It's I mean, that that used to be one of my favorite tracks too. I mean, even this year, you hardly knew they ran. <laughs> no, it, well, they got a late start. They purse money sucked, and and you know, it's people. The, the horses were there was a couple guys uh, like Carlos Silva he was down here he was at uh, yeah. I remember talking yeah, to him he was couple hanging of around Gulfstream <laughs> yeah I mean it was kind of like he didn't you know nobody knew what was going on it was like well I can't just sit there and wait if it doesn't open what am I going to do I'm going to be stuck so but um, if you had told me not that long ago that Hollywood Park Arlington Calder Suffolk Atlantic City, Bay Meadows, would all be gone. Um, I don't know that I would believe it. No, nah, I wouldn't. Bay Meadows, that one, that one hurt my feelings too. I don't know I how like much. I'll be honest, I don't know how much Golden Gates got left. No, they're they're living it, on a prayer. It's got to be expensive <laughs> to run a style. business in in the state of California. On a piece of land as big as that piece of land is, and they prime don't, real estate too. They, they do like not it. handle very much money there. Uh, I don't know what else goes on there. I'll be honest; I've never been there, but I, I don't know how else they can monetize that that land and keep it a racetrack. I really don't know, but they don't handle very much money. It's not like they're handling six, seven million a night there or day. Excuse me. I mean, the place handles two million bucks. Maybe they're lucky. So well, I, I, just, I mean, back I in just the day, they, they would handle more than a place like Laurel, but that's not the case any longer. Well, the, the circuit left. You know, when when Bay Meadows yeah. was gone, there was no more circuit, and the fairs have taken it on the chin, and um, there's just not that many horses out there. That's the other thing. The, the horse population. It's I, I just don't know how you can train horses at the prices that you have to charge. Uh, because of the workman's comp issues, because of uh, the expense of, of just dealing with the state of California, and and run four thousand, five thousand claimers, it's just a uh, it's a tough racket. And I mean, Gulfstream sent its people to Santa Anita to try to recreate the Gulfstream success, but they weren't able to do it simply because the sheer number of horses in South Florida um, is so much bigger than what they have access to in, in Southern California 
you can't replicate what we what we have in, in, in South Florida because you're never going to be able to get that many cheap horses training there because it's just way too expensive. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, you know, I mean, we've talked about it on here plenty of times how how much the dynamics changed out in California that it's it's almost like top to bottom it's almost unrecognizable. <laughs> And I, I just don't understand how people can survive uh, training out there and, and running horses. It's, it's amazing that they're able to do it. It it really is, and uh, I, I think it goes back to what we're talking about with the three year old horses improving. I think with a racetrack, it the improvement is growth. It's handle growth. How can you grow your handle? Well, you're not going to grow your handle if you don't have the product to offer. If you don't have the number of horses and the the competitiveness, the even cheap races. I mean, racetracks have found out the dirty little secret that if you have a twelve horse competitive race for seventy five hundred dollars, it's going to outhandle um, the similar race, an allowance race with a six horse field. It's just going to do more, and that's just the way it is. It's it's just math. And um, <laughs> interestingly enough, I got an argument on Twitter about math today because I'm sick of. <laughs> <laughs> estimations it's it's estimations. just the stupidest thing like who came up with this crap I don't know but I, I can tell you from my own experience of being a homeschooler um, the way math is taught is way different than the way I was taught and it's kind of frustrating because I'm like in my head and the way I was learned and, and taught the logic of, of math is like non-existent they don't they don't teach it the same way. And the thing it's about weird. math is, math is not, there's, there's, this is the thing that gets me, not to go off on, on too much on a tangent, but math, you know what I learned most of my math? At the Pretty racetrack. Sure. Figuring <laughs> out odds and, and, and fractions and internal fractions and, and beating lengths and things like that. But the thing about math is math, it, there, there's rules. There's formulas and these are thousands of years old. Like, there's not optional numbers. Two plus three is five. You can't say, well, it's kind of like six. No, it's not. This estimation, <laughs> this estimation nonsense, it's like it was it was written by English lit majors who, who can't stand math because it's too hard and they can't you know, see how the, the emotions of the author and all that nonsense. I mean, come on. It's no, math. I'm with you because I'm, I'm, you know, just as, as a... Estimation is stupid. Myself, I, I, it's stupid. I had stupid. a hard time. Like, I, I love math, and I do a lot of math in, in, in my daily life. So it's 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 really weird to see it taught in a, in a fashion that's different. You know, not saying that different is always bad, but like you said, it, it just, it's like some, I guess lack of a better word, it's a soft version of what it should be. <laughs> Someone said, well... The math results in this country taught the old way haven't been getting great results. That's true. But you know what? The New York Jets keep changing coaches, and guess what? They still suck. It's not that it's not that sometimes it's just the way it is. There's certain things. Math is math is math is math. If I had a kid, I would I would I would I would strangle the teachers trying to teach my kid that one oh three minus twenty eight isn't seventy five. Anyways, 
thankfully I don't have any kids. But um Well, you know No your niece no, your no. niece is, is she just doesn't like math. Well at least that's what she tells me. That's her prerogative. <laughs> well that's what I tell her every time I put put a bet and I go, But you still have to do it. <laughs> Listen, I was no like math genius it wasn't like you know i like whizzed through uh you know theorems and 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 and, you know wrote down uh, a beautiful mind type uh you know calculus on the chalkboard you know like i'm not a math genius but math makes sense and that's the one thing that doesn't make sense with me is when they try to make sense out of and and of something that that makes sense i just kind of like triple talked but no, but I get it. It's just like trying to figure out what racing is doing with itself right now. Oh, it's like when when somebody it sense. it's like when someone on Twitter, the, the working for a racing establishment, says that you know a track that had six track records set on it over a weekend wasn't really fast. <laughs> oh, really? It then wasn't. What would you call it? Yeah. Uh, that, what do you call that? Yeah. I mean, the horses really haven't gotten faster as a you know. In general, so how else can you explain it? <laughs> Sometimes in this business, people just come up with these. They just want something to be so bad, they just make it be. They just ignore all the other things that are like screaming, "Hey, your your idea, your hypothesis is wrong." They just don't well, want yeah. to hear it. <laughs> It's like they, you know, they're ignoring the obvious. Like the the one thing that you can't dispute is right in your face, and they want to say it's something else. Listen, somebody thought that that roulette wagering on horse racing was a smart idea. All I'm saying. I got, I got some uh, some nice uh, beachview property in Antarctica. They can buy. Somebody thought. Odds even bets was smart. Someone thought there's been a lot of stupid bets. Well, I, I did see something interesting on Twitter now that you mention it, where somebody was kind of, you know, trying to, to, to put another spin on it um, as far as betting and, and how it can kind of relate to sports betting is, you know, prop bets, multi race prop bets, you know, like a parlay, which I guess we'd never know how it could work unless they actually try it and it didn't sound like a bad idea like you know will uh bob baffert win three races on today's card and then if that one wins then you win another one you know what i mean it it was interesting to to see and kind of think about it i don't know practically how it could work but it was definitely an idea that I hadn't seen before. The one thing that Inside the Pylons taught me is that is that logic should be used not only like when you're constructing tickets, but to try to to instruct the players to use better logic. And like Parlays are shitty bets. They are. And, uh, you know, those... Like, I see guys betting, oh, I bet so-and-so to score a touchdown. Or this is the first... It's just... You're just stabbing. 
There's no, you know what I mean? There's no actual, you can't handicap that out. It's, it's oh, oh, I think this guy is going to be the, the, the first, you know, get four first downs. I mean, you might get hurt in the first play. You might, you know, they, they might have decided the, they were going to, it, it's just, you're just, you're just throwing darts, you know? Well, I guess the premise was is to, to get that kind of crossover better. But why can't why? But but I, I understand ITP because he makes a lot of sense. I mean, the guy's super super sharp. So you know, just promote what we have. Exactly, do it properly. Do what we have properly. Look at the the, the low percentage the, the 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 pick fours. They get played like crazy. The pick fives with the low with the low takeout. They get played like crazy. You know, ITP's kind of you know, a little caustic and, and you know, racing people, they, they take offense at, at virtually anything. But so, so you know, he but rubs them the wrong way. I get it. But I, but I exactly, I understand exactly what he said. And when him and I don't always agree on everything, but when it comes to wagering, he's a lot smarter than I am. And, and what he says makes sense. And, and he's a, a player who said, this is what you need to do to get more people like me. But racing hates that. They hate that. They hate that, and I hate to use the word, you know, term racing because there is no quote unquote racing, but you know, without pointing names or, or, or I mean, calling names or pointing fingers, they just don't want to hear it, and sometimes it, it eludes them, like putting people on TV and having them tell you who they pick, and then having them put a ticket up that makes no mathematical sense, is stupid, and they're right, it it is stupid, but. I guess they would say, well, look, uh, you know, the, the the football studio shows all the guys make their picks. Yeah, and they've been keeping track of them, and all the guys are terrible at picking the games. That's without the spread. <laughs> the worst. They got guys with losing records. They're just, they're just, you know, they might be picking the favorite every single game. Almost, it, it's just our our sport is 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 dependent on betting, and yeah, football's been dependent on betting. We all know that. It, it's all this big, you know clown show that that it's not it has been for for a long long time time. (laughs) but but by the same token our our sport like desperately this is this is our lifeblood and if we if if you if you break the players by having them leave their money in a jackpot bet that a guy even the metal ends you know the other night they have the pick five it gets hit on a 20 cent ticket for fifty five thousand, and you you'd need to put a four thousand dollar play in to hit that pick five the other night. At least, I mean, with all the other syndicates out there, and so. and that and of course that's who hits it. That's who hits it. The syndicates. So it it gets to be a point of of like regular guys can't win in those those situations, and you know the big just keep eating the little in the sport. The big tracks, the big trainers, the big owners, and now the big betters. Eventually, there won't be any more little guys left. Right. They're all going to get squeezed out or just become disinterested. That, that, that's, that's a thing, and that, that's, a, that's a problem. And, um, I, I, don't, I, just, I just don't, I don't have an answer for it because the tracks are going to always be slaves to the big betters and... Even if they're, even if they're in the long run not going to be good, allowing um, the syndicate money 
the batch players in, they're going to do it. They're just going to do it because, you know, their interest is, is in, is in current mode. They're not interested in down the road mode. And, and it shows, it does show. Absolutely. And, uh, no, no foresight, you know, because if, if, if they did, you'd see a lot more advances in the technology in the game, period. If, if they had the foresight and wanted it to progress and keep going, instead of being complacent, things would change. You know, for instance, uh, uh, photo finish technology. <laughs> That's just one example, but of many. <laughs> Like the other day when we couldn't tell if the horse was second or not, but they just had to call it dead heat oh, yeah, because right. nobody had any idea if the horse was actually second or like, not. Like, yeah, the horse looked like he was in, he was way behind, and they're like, "Oh, well, we can't see his nose, so we'll call it a dead heat." <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely frustrating. It really is, and you know, you try not to be like the guy that all you do is bitch and complain and moan because. Because that's no fun either. I mean, it's it's kind of a drain on your life if all you do is cry about everything, <laughs> especially things you really like. But um, it, it's it's uh, it's also it it it's just so hard to find people in the middle, because we have these these rah rah people who, um, who think, oh my God, Lasix is no Lasix. We're gonna breed all these big strong horses, and now no, get 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 out of here. <laughs> Yeah, what world are you living in? You know what I mean? <laughs> Let me just explain the mathematics on this. All right. You have, in order to get a foal, you need what? A stallion and a mare. Okay? <laughs> if a mare's got pedigree, it doesn't matter if she bleeds like uh, that famous statue in Italy that bleeds. It doesn't matter if that blood coming out of her ears. She's got a nice pedigree. She'll be bred. Okay? Pretty much. It's going to happen. And she's going to get bred again and again and again and again. And to tell me that, well, if the stallions, you know, if the, the Lasix is enhancing their performance and, and all this nonsense. Well, what about all the really good stallions out there that with the great pedigrees and the great race records and the great confirmation that are complete duds at stud? What about them? Was it bleeding because of them? What about all the ones that race in Europe? What do you think? Europeans, all the stallions are great? <laughs> you know? Like, Definitely not. <laughs> they're all great and none of them are bad. It, it, it's a crapshoot. Giving a horse Lasix has zero determination on the successfulness of that horse's foals. None. Zero. None. Zero. If there's a number, it's so infinitesimal that even the estimation people can't come up with it. Well, I saw on Twitter someone say that about American Pharaoh and why he's throwing a lot of grass runners instead of dirt runners is because he was juiced up in the Lasix. I've seen that. <laughs> also, Lasix makes turf runners. I mean, people come up with the stupidest <laughs> ideas. The problem with the internet is they give that wacko in the corner of the OTB, <laughs> a, 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 they give him a forum, and then people agree with them. And the scary thing is there's people agreeing with them that are like, actual that makes sense <laughs> people in the business that don't yeah. have enough critical thinking don't what it's again it's they want an idea to be true they hate listening they hate me because i tell them the same thing that lasix has zero 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 
genetic ability to pass on genes. None. It's a dry erratic. You give it to a horse, they pee. That's it. Right, I was going to say, it comes out of their system as they pee. Oh, well, they... uh, uh, Race record. Race record, my ass. How good was Into Mischief as a racehorse? How many big races did he win? How many classics did he win? How many Breeders' Cups did he win? Who do you want to breed to now? Him? Right? I don't know. His, his, uh, his stud fee is pretty steep there, guy. Well, if we got, if we, if we got you, uh, you know, a, 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 free, a free pass, I mean, yeah, the horse is throwing nothing but runners, right? Well, True. He, he was a $7,500 stallion. They had to do a deal to get people to breed to him because he didn't have much race record. That's the whole point. Warfront. Dirt sprinter gets turf, gets distance turf horses in Europe. <laughs> you know, yeah. he stood for ten thousand his first year. What about what about all the, the horses that go to stud that that turn out to be busts? Run happy. Run happy. No Lasix. <laughs> Lasix free, mm-hmm. and he's struggling right now. Exactly. I'm not saying he can't bounce back. I mean, but but that's the, the, the whole that the whole point is that. It has nothing to do with them, nothing. Right. For, for years and years and years, some of the greatest horses, Man of War was not a really good stallion. Lots of great horses were not really great stallions. It's just the way it is. Affirmed. Exactly. Affirmed was a, a little bit better racehorse than Aladar, but Aladar was a lot better stallion. Much better stallion. Yeah. Look at Spectacular Bid. Who is better than him? Who is better than Spectacular Bid? Not me. Exactly. <laughs> Stallion bust. Listen, Easy Goer died. But Easy Goer was not ever going to be the Stallion the Sunday Silence was. No, Sunday Silence was dominant. It's it's just, you know, Ghost Sapper, who's like in the 20th century, arguably as good as anybody, right? Ghost Sapper? Yep. Uh, Stallion? Yeah, you get some decent turf horses it's once in a while. Okay, yeah, That's every it. Every once in a while. It, it, because it's a crapshoot. It's it's not an exact science. If it was exact science, Sheikh Mohammed would have bought all the best prospects and dominated them because he has more money than everyone else. It's a, it's it's a crapshoot. It always has been. Getting rid of Lasix isn't going to affect it at all. It's going to make more horses bleed. It's going to cost more horses money. It's going to be more. It'll be worse for horses. But hey, let him believe it. It's all nonsense. Complete nonsense. But that's the way it goes. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, we are back. Going in circles. The Big Monday show. We're Big back, Monday. Back after a, a week off. We got a week off for freshening. Yeah, it turned us out for a week. Had to graze in the in the paddock. We did. I, I on Thanksgiving I didn't get to graze at all because we lost power in the building, man. We had no power for five and a half hours. I wound up having you know, un, un- I was thinking I was thinking, you know, was it that one person who, you know, worked all year and they finally like, Oh man, I can't wait, I got Thanksgiving off this year and then no power. That's rough. Yeah, I had the uh, the untraditional Thanksgiving meal of 
DoorDash fajitas. Hey. And they weren't that good. See, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a turkey guy i don't i don't really like turkey all that much i'll eat it but definitely not high on my list i would have took those fajitas for sure well at that point i was so hungry that like it didn't matter <laughs> you know like you just because whenever you lose power it's always like oh my god don't open your refrigerator doors because like everything's gonna yeah, instantly go bad right? <laughs> so uh, uh, i just was dying man uh, but <laughs> The one good thing was I didn't have to be subjected to the the second half of the the Lions game or, or oh, the boy, first three quarters cool. of the, the of, of the Dallas uh, Washington football team. Game. Man, <laughs> they need to they need to rotate those teams. I, I know it's kind of a tradition, but I think they've just worn out their their welcome. They just need to put whoever, whenever. It's amazing. I saw the statistic that in the last twenty years, the Detroit Lions have only won four times. <laughs> yeah, they need to. They definitely need to get rid of that. It's the a Cowboys, home. It's a home game bad. on a short week. They 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 should be the biggest advantage a home team has, and they're four and sixteen in their last twenty. Wow. Oh, Barry Sanders, where have you gone, my friend? I'm sure two of those victories were his. You know the Detroit Lions. Since I, I was alive, have never been good. I mean, they made the playoffs a year, one year, but they always got wiped out in the first round. They never made it. They never won a playoff game. I don't believe. They've never been good. How how is that possible? I thought they went uh, when Barry Sanders was there. Went to the NFC Championship game. They and might, that was maybe that's the maybe I ever saw them. maybe that's true. That could be true. I I don't remember, but but that's the farthest I've ever seen. It, it was go. never like they were like even the hot team, like you know. The team that finishes good at the end of the year, always the next year, they're like, oh, yeah, they're, they put it together. They're going to be great. And a lot of times that happens, you know, not to be the case. But, like, they've, they've just never been good. They've never been good. No. Yeah. <laughs> not ever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't compare them to another team, I guess. Everybody has their moments, but. You know, not... You know who they are? Uh-oh. Think of a horse that ran in the Breeders' Cup Classic. This year? This year. Think of a horse of a, of a light coloring that ran in the Breeders' Cup Classic this year, whose first name starts with a T. Oh, Tacitus Jr. The Tacitus of the NFL. <laughs> Not the well, worst. I mean, if, if, not if, the worst if, because the grade one because the, Cassidus got one in them. The Jets are the worst, but oh yeah, that's true. But you know, it's not the worst, but just a, a perennial disappointment. People still betting that horse. That's crazy. Because <laughs> uh, you know why? They're probably so far in now. They don't want to be there. They've 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 been at the funerals. They don't want to miss the one wedding that he might wind up coming up with. We we didn't even talk about him. Maybe he'll be the 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 now horse in his five year old year. Maybe well, it just yeah. Took... Now that everybody's retired, yeah. <laughs> nobody left. It's... He only has to beat one horse. It's like it's like the war of attrition, you know. All right, he's yeah. finally found fields he can beat. Well, he found one this year. He definitely found one, and and hasn't I haven't seen him since. 
even lost to our buddy that that didn't make the Breeders' Cup, uh, the three-year-old. What's his name? Pletcher Horse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that uh, you're, wow. Wow, I'm getting old. I can't remember. I can't either. <laughs> he won the Jockey Club Gold Cup, though. Yes. Maybe he'll be good next year. Maybe he'll be the four-year-old. Uh, I'll ask my buddy Will, who works for Pletcher, give me a refresher, a reminder on that name. You know, it won't be long till we see Will Hooks in one of these, these made-up boxing matches. I tell you what, he'd be he'd be worth the price of admission. I don't know if you saw him. He was, they had him. They showed him in the paddock the other day at Aqueduct. Guy stood out like a sore thumb. He was like, you know, I think he's like six five, six six, six he's, seven. He's like six six, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just towered. They had a good shot of him too. It's so, pretty funny. So what you're telling me is you'd like him in a match against Nate Robinson? Whew, man, I don't think Nate Robinson could beat my daughter. They're probably the same height. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I really didn't follow like the reason why Nate Robinson was boxing against this guy. <laughs> well, I know how much he got paid, and I think I would have did it too. Yeah, well, that's probably... I mean, the headliners, okay, you got Roy Jones and Mike Tyson both making a million each. And this is just their base pay. This is nothing above and beyond that. Right. So their base pay was a million. The Jake Paul... And Nate Robinson both made 600K. That's crazy. 600K just to show up. Well, Nate earned his 600K. <laughs> 600K, I'll never forget. He's going to need 300K to, to get his jaw wired back shut. <laughs> Man, that was that was amazing. And, and the crazy part about it, this is how great or not so great 2020 is, is you have... Literally, two of the best boxers of all time, overshadowed by a YouTube guy <laughs> and a five-eight retired NBA player. Literally overshadowed, and beyond that, overshadowed by Snoop Dogg as a commentator. It's unbelievable. I mean, that was just that's just twenty twenty in a nutshell. Where you think this is going to be a good fight between Roy Jones and and Tyson? Roy Jones got hit in. The, Hitting the body once, and that was it. He didn't want any part of that, and he just started grabbing him. And it was boring. Yeah, I mean, those guys are old. Mike Tyson, every, you know, it's funny. They, they showed the clips, right? And Mike Tyson's like, looks great in these 10 second clips. Mike Tyson, 15 years ago, stunk. Like, his last couple fights, he, he was yeah, terrible. He was, horrible. He was, he was done. Horrible. He was done. That was 15 years ago. You know, every once in a while, <laughs> every once every once in a while, I'll be you know get my little run in and think you know maybe I'll make a comeback. And I said, you know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna wind up like Paul George, not 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 ashamed because I hit the side of the backboard, but I'll, I'll wind up with like a snapped leg or something like that. Because and that's what happened to me when I had to prove to my seven year old daughter that I could dunk. Dude, I was out of commission for like three weeks. <laughs> No lie, it's, it's, I, I was like, yo, just don't, don't touch me. I'm, I'm alright. <laughs> I remember Mitch. Remember Mitch Sharota, the trainer. Oh yeah, Mitch Sharota. So, Mitch Sharota was 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 a funny guy, but he was maybe the single most vulgar person in the history of America. 
right? And one day, and he's small, and he, you know, he had been a jockey, and he had fallen off a lot, and so he had a really, really, really tough horse. And he, he, he tells me, of course, I don't know he's a really tough horse to saddle. So he's like, Chuck, can you saddle my horse today? I was like, yeah, sure. Not thinking of it, thinking maybe he's not going to be there or something, right? So it was, I think it was like the race before mine or two races before the race I was in. And, and we're at Keeneland, it's the fall, and it was, it was kind of cool. So the horses were all feeling pretty good. And uh, his horse comes in the paddock <laughs> and, and he is like dancing, you know, like he's, he's on his toes. So I got to try to saddle this horse, right? And he just tries to attack me. I mean, like a, like a wild horse, right? And like, it took 10 minutes to get the saddle on. And it, it was, it was one of those brisk Keeneland days in the fall where it's probably 48 degrees, 50 degrees with a little wind blowing, you know? So you're kind of chilly. I was sweating. I looked like Moses Malone at the free throw line. I was sweating so bad. My my I, uh, my right shoulder hurt like I needed rotator cuff surgery. My knee was killing me. My back hurt, and and all of a sudden this little this little Chirota one it waddles out of the, you know the, the 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 trees and there he's, he is. Hey, thanks for titling that horse for me. I mean, and I'm dying. I'm wanting to strangle him. And oh god, that was a setup. Everything man. hurt, man. I was like. I was literally wiped out. I remember uh, my assistant, TC, I said, TC, you're going to have to saddle a horse. He goes, what's the matter with you? I said, I, I saddle Sherrod's horse, and I'm done. I'm, like, finished. <laughs> it's, like I, it's like I ran a 43 and 3 half. I'm, I'm, I'm like, totally spent. <laughs> I don't think I have the energy <laughs> to, to saddle my horse at this point. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, and I, you know, when I was working for Jerkins, he was, he was, he loved schooling horses. He loved schooling horses. He would kind of use it sometimes. Uh, and he, you know, he had so many great ideas. And he would use it for aerobic exercise for the horse because he said, you know what, you bring the horse up there, you, you walk around the paddock, they'll get their heart bumping and, you know, blood will get flowing. I think they're going to the race. And then, then when you bring them back, they'll even get more. That was the funny thing about schooling a horse. When you bring them to the paddock, a lot of times... They're, it's easier to bring them to the paddock when they think they're going up to race than when you leave the paddock after you schooled them and they didn't get saddled and they didn't go run. Upset. Now they think they're going to run, so now they're really on their toes. So when you start walking them back to the barn, they grab a hold of that 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 shank and, man, they're, like, dragging you. And... um <laughs> I used to school two or three horses a day, every day, when I worked for the chief. Because, you know... the Good shape, bro. I was. And now I saddle one horse who's tough, and I'm like, I'm out of commission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, it sucks getting old, man. It, it really sucks getting old. Trust me, I know. That's why I see guys like Edgar Prado and... Mike Smith and they're still out there and hell they're 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 my age and they're still they're still doing that you know they're they're getting on horses and that's a young man's game but they're still out there doing it they're competing and you know all, all jockeys kind of as they get a little bit older and they get to the point you know 
their knees start to bother them, their hips start to bother them, their backs start to bother them, their shoulders start to bother them because you know it's when when they hit the ground, the ground's hard and and ouch and, yeah. and horses you know like they're not they're not playthings. They go out there and they pull and they push and, and and you know they have the ponies go with them, but but that doesn't mean they're not pulling on them the whole way or yanking them or pulling their head or there there's just you know it's a it's a it's it's a definite uh, you know it, it's a not a contact sport but it's it's physical it's 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 not easy but uh, even even shoemaker towards you know the end and I I was out in Arizona and, and I had really never watched shoemaker ride full time he when I was a kid sometimes he would come to Belmont in the fall and ride there for a couple weeks um, but. I was never really, you know, I, I never really saw him on a regular day-to-day basis. But when I did, he he was he was in his mid fifties, and and man, he he didn't kick to the rail very often. He he was kind of take him wide, and he didn't ride that much at, at that point either. But uh, I mean, Ferdinand was like his last stand, winning on Ferdinand, and that was like his last great, you know. Yeah, no, I, I definitely work. remember that, and uh, when Lafitte was out there um he kind of got really really good at the end of his career yeah he was great he was a great rider he was a really he was a smart rider too those guys were were you know the the colonies were so deep back then so many good riders but um and i mean i commend those guys to to still be able to to go out and and to breeze horses and and school them in the morning and 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 ride in the afternoons and I I know it's it's not you know you're making good money that's for sure, um. But it's still it, it's it's a lot it's a physical endeavor and it's uh. It's a lot of work and it's not something I would do believe me, I would be finished if I was that size. <laughs> 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 I feel bad now, and I never, I never rode a horse. My, I rode Hank the pony once or twice, but, but uh, no, it's it's a uh, it's a tough way to, it's a tough thing to to get you know athletes. Team sports athletes usually wind up retiring because no one wants them anymore. You know that's kind of how they go out the door. A lot of them they they don't. Uh, you know the, the the demand for them dried up. Um, I mean, you look at the ten, look at Roger Federer. Oh man! I mean, you know, if team individual sports, you can just keep keep going until you're you don't want to go anymore. And that's jockeys. You know, they 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 pick and choose where they want to ride. And um, you know, as long as guys are willing to put them on horses, they can they can ride till whatever. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, Edgar Prado's just amazing to me. Every time I see him, I'm like, man, this guy, he looks the same. He does. Amazing. Looks the same as he did 20 years ago. Like, literally the same. He keeps himself in good shape. I mean, Mike Smith is like Absolutely. a workout fiend. So, I mean, he, he's in great shape. And, and uh, But even then, you know, those guys, uh, Edgar doesn't really ride the top horses anymore and I mean Grand Motion puts them on some good turf horses here and there in the winter time but still gets it done. 
but uh, you know, Mike Smith is 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 even. I mean, Mike didn't not Mike not riding the Breeders' Cup this year was kind of a. I didn't even kind of see that coming, to be honest with you. It just was surprising to me that I just assumed, you know, he'd have five, six live mounts, and he didn't. He didn't, but uh, but it's like everything else. You know, there's always a new wave of people in horse racing. There's always a new wave of, of horses. That's for sure, especially with all the horses get retired, but... um. <laughs> But it, you know, we got we got a lot of racing coming up this weekend. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I, you know, obviously, the big draw is going to be Gulfstream's opening weekend. Well, um, I think Aqueduct's got yeah. a, you know the 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 uh, Cigar Mile in the Demoiselle and the Pilgrim and yeah, they got a nice day. On all those races, uh, actually, tomorrow on Going in Circles Live, Jason Bytus is going to come on and and preview a bunch of those Aqueduct races and. And talk about some of the ones from the past weekend. His uh, yeah, he had a pretty good weekend. His jockey and, one, uh, yeah, Jose. yeah, they knocked out a couple of them. So we'll do a little preview tomorrow uh, on Going in Circles Live, and um, you know, Los Alamitos has their brief meet that it opens up. I think the what do they call the race? Um, the two year old, the two year old. Oh, races, the, yeah, the uh, the Phillies. Maturity? Uh, is it? Yeah, no. the I think the um the Phillies race is going to um the Philly of Bafferts that ran in the juvenile Phillies dirt. Princess Noor. Princess Noor, I believe, is going to run. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So yeah, the, Los Al is a place for whatever reason. That's like one of the few places I just cannot hit a race. I don't know if it's the paperclip. Or it's the track itself. I have no idea. It's just been a mystery to me ever since they started running thoroughbreds there. Again. You know, I think the last bet I won at, at Los Al was was a quarter horse bet. You know yeah, what? I yeah, used to I follow. I, I definitely hate quarter horses. Was that, um, but less, not the not the thoroughbreds. It's it's, it's weird. Les Onaka, that guy was good, man. He was. Oh he man, was he's excellent. the greatest. He was really good. I know he's had some health issues, so he's not on the show anymore. But man, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't handicap the races. I would just bet whoever he liked. Just... Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a, that's that's good. I mean, the dude, his ROI had to be amazing. Yeah, he was he was really good. He... Um, I see him pop up every now and then on, on Dave Weaver's uh, Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah, I know he had had some health issues, so. But uh, he he was he was really good. It's like Brad Thomas at Monmouth. You know, you listen to Brad Thomas oh, at Monmouth. Shades. Yeah, the real shades. <laughs> the original. The original shades. Oh, we got a crossover shades. He's going in the harness. Yeah, he should probably stick with thoroughbreds. That's not very nice, Chuck. But um. Man, it just seems it just seems kind of crazy that we're at this point in the year where you know you got fairgrounds, you got Tampa, you got Gulfstream, Santa Anita will be open soon, and uh, Turfway, Turfway will be back. Love Turfway, Turfway back. That's my, that's my pleasure. And and we made it, you know, to to the winter. <laughs> like like I, I mean, there was 
there was only three tracks. Yeah, running. yeah. Back in the 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 Foner Park days, I mean, in April, it was people. Oh eat. man, Tuesdays and Wednesdays were popping. Like, like we made it through. It's it's uh, it's kind of you know, when you it's look kind back, of what horse racing does, huh? When you look back on this year, it's it's just gonna be a lot, of, a lot of crazy shit that happened. It's just the Denver Broncos played a game and they didn't have a quarterback. <laughs> no quarterback. It was funny. I always thought about that. I was like, what if a team only had two quarterbacks active and the first guy got hurt and then the second guy got hurt? Like, what would they do? You know, what would they do? They'd have, you know, they always have to have an emergency guy, but it's like, uh, it's like, you know, when teams run out of pitchers, like, what do you do? You know, you bring the third baseman. He used, to pitch, in, <laughs> used to pitch in high school, right? And it's, that this actually happened in an NFL game, and everyone know, knew it was coming. <laughs> right, was it thing. wasn't a secret. It wasn't right. like, oh man, just some horrible bad luck. Everybody knew ahead of time. I, I, I was, I had to admit, I, I would, I, I watched. <laughs> I turned that game on just, just, just curiosity. Just, watch, yeah, just to know? kind of see, like, well, what are they gonna do? <laughs> because I had watched them play the previous week when they they played Miami, and. Um, the quarterback uh, was in Drew Lock. I mean, he's not great, but you know, he was all right. I mean, he's, adequate. He's, yeah, he's a, he, he he could he could take guy. a snap and, and and throw the ball to and hit an open receiver. Yeah, I mean, he he had that capability. And and I was thinking to myself, man, what if you know? I gotta I gotta watch. And I mean, it was about as expected. They couldn't do anything, and they knew that they had to run. So of course, you know, the New Orleans just just loaded up the box and. It was kind of a joke and <laughs> of a game, but but it, it's like a, a just a twenty twenty thing. I mean, you have like the the Pittsburgh Ravens game; it's got postponed twice, twice, three times, three times, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, the college basketball is, is kind of starting, and Oof, I can just see it. Football going bad is for college basketball. You know, f- football is like stumbling to the wire. That's what you want to call it. Uh, yeah, I mean, every week there's more and more games canceled, and there's more consternation. I guess four or five of the bowls have already said they're not going to play. I mean, a bowl, yeah. what's a bowl game if they can't have fans? And, and 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 ESPN owns a lot of the bowls. Well, that's who's hurting, and that's why they're trying yeah. to push for it. But um, it's it's just kind of this this nuts, you know. I mean, the NBA they just had the draft, they just had free agency start. The games start in three weeks. Yeah. They just ended. Uh, it's just going to be crazy. And it's not, you know, there's no bubble. And, That's the worst part about it, is no it's bubble. Like, uh, I mean. I mean, how could they even do it anyway with, with you know, that many teams? It's just <sighs> impossible. It's just going to be, it's, it's going to be rough, I think. You just wonder, if, is racing going to be the only sport that, that kind of keeps on going? Because... I mean, baseball doesn't start back up until, uh, I mean, pitchers and catchers don't report to February, right? So, so they got a little more time. I'm not sure. I'll be honest. I I don't really know what hockey's doing. Are they playing? Are they not playing? And have they made any decisions on anything? Well, I'm actually surprised about basketball starting in uh, December. They seem to want them to play because they needed the money. They lost so much money last year with with the you know losing games and and, and losing you know all. But the... I, you know, I've always thought that you know you might not get real real games 
until like mid February. <laughs> you know, like you'll get guys that'll kind of not really play. Well, the other point, the other point that someone made was that at least seven of the teams haven't played since March. And, right, and, and, and a couple of the bubble States, teams didn't play that much either. But um, I, I just don't know what's that different in this country worse. three weeks from now than it was two months ago, right? I mean, yeah, like you said, it's worse. worse. And, <laughs> like, it just is... I mean, the NFL just seems like it's it's bound and determined to put its head down and just keep playing and... If they got to play without quarterbacks, they're going to play without quarterbacks. And well, I mean, you remember baseball had a little rough early. Yeah, and it did. And they, the Marlins and the Cardinals. Out, so. and they just kind of played through. and, and it, I mean, there's no perfect scenario, and it's all uncharted waters. But, but um, Well, the perfect scenario, honestly, was, was the NBA bubble. They had it down. Yeah, the bubble worked. I mean, the bubble worked for perfect, hockey. But the bubble they can't do that. For, it's not feasible for a long, no. for a whole season. No, I believe honestly when they made this decision to play like the schedules, they they thought that they would be getting some revenue from this the games, and like I know Charlotte announced today no fans, so yeah they get TV revenue, but but even so it's that only gets you so far in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's, it's not like it's not like a football TV deal they have. No, and and it's. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I mean, it's not impossible for us to look a couple months down the road and see just racing again. We're we're the only game back in town. You know that you know that that's something I'll definitely never forget. Is you know especially at that point because I was sick and I was out of the hospital and I was kind of not doing anything, you know, trying to recover and and stuff like that. And there was literally nothing on but racing. Yeah, and it was only it was only you know three or four tracks, you know you, you get uh, Oakland, you got Tampa, and you had Gulfstream, and that was pretty much it. And then you, you might get, um, you know, you're getting Los Al at night. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> California. That, it was it was it was crickets. Yeah, I mean, uh, we don't even know. Like New York today, shut down gyms. Hair yeah, salons, aqueducts, and, and the casino. Jeez. Exactly. Like they shut that back down. Um. Like Pompano and Gulfstream and Tampa might be like. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might might be the only tracks left. Like uh, I don't know if you saw, but Santa Clara County in California basically just told the Forty ers they get out. Get out. <laughs> Um, yeah, just like Toronto did yeah. to the Raptors. Yeah, the Raptors. So they they all actually left today. They they had a thing on Twitter, the Toronto showing the players literally leaving to to go to Tampa. So I know that Gulfstream and Tampa are going to run if it's at all possible to run and Oakland. Oh, it's going to be possible. Uh, you know the. The government here is not trying to do anything <laughs> if they don't have to. It has to really get extreme for them to to kind of be where we were at back in March. Yeah, I don't think it's going that direction though. The governor is pretty firm on 
keeping everything status quo. So, I saw today they they said that um, the uh, the tourism numbers are off seventy billion dollars. Oh, easily, easily. I mean, how long was Disney closed? Yeah, exactly. And they're still not fully open. No. And they're laying off people. So yeah, not good this year. Nope. Not good at all. But we have racing. The Claiming Crown. That's right. We have uh, the Claiming Crown on Saturday. and No Caribbean Classic this year. Caribbean Classic was canceled. Sadly. Yeah. I mean, that, but like, I think we mentioned it before. That That is really, really, really a fan-based event. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Those people have fun. There's the 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 lat the Latin people show up from all over the place. It's a big deal in the in the Latino community. A lot of people fly in from the various countries. They they wear the flags. They carry flags. They got horns and it, it's it's good day of racing too. It's, I mean, they're crazy. not the, the greatest horses ever to to run, but it's always competitive. There's usually pretty decent sized fields and, and the crowd's nuts. So they I mean, bet what, them. what more could you ask for? They bet those races last year really well. Yes. I was surprised. I, I thought when they first, the first year they did it, it was like, well, it's kind of a gimmicky thing. Got all these horses coming from all these places. No one really knows the horses. No one really knows the trainers. And some of the, you know, the, the mainstream jockeys are, are riding, but uh, the other ones are, aren't, aren't big names and, like how much can they bet? But they bet pretty good, and then last year they bet even more. So you know this year, obviously, because of all the issues, they had to cancel it. But it it is a, it's kind of a cool event, and you know it's something that's been held for a long time. It just recently moved to South Florida, which which is a very logical place for it to be. But um, you know it just goes to show you though, there's a lot of things out in racing that we don't even know. Um, exist because they're not in our realm. Yeah, like our fans in Peru. Yeah. Like our listeners in Peru, man. How, how does this happen? We, we have listeners all over the globe. We have a Lithuanian listener. Just one? One. All right. Israel? I think it's David. Okay. I think it's David Blatt, actually, from <sighs> Israel. You didn't get fired again? Oh, he's looking for coaching jobs. He probably wants to. He probably wants to be Nate Robinson's <laughs> new boxing, new coach, boxing manager. Yeah, poor Nate Robinson. It's funny. The guy had a nice career. He was an undersized guy. No one ever thought he'd you know do anything. He he had a nice career. You think he's got a ring? Uh, he won a slam dunk contest. You know, carved himself out. Probably has a nice pension coming in, and everyone's gonna only remember him for getting knocked out by some internet dude. <laughs> Well, you know what's funny about that is my mother gets Isaiah Thomas, the small one, uh-huh. the really small one, and Nate Robinson confused all the time. That's bad. <laughs> That's bad enough. Nate Nate Robinson, you know, he was a Nick for a while. Got to give him a little bit of that. He was. Of course, he and... was. He was. He played for a lot of teams, but uh, it's like Roberto Duran. I mean. The guy was one of the all-time great champions of, of the the you know the the less than one hundred and fifty pound weight divisions, and pretty much he's only remembered for the No Moss fight against No Moss. Yeah. That's it. And everyone forgets he beat 
Sugar Ray Leonard. Yes, he did. Uh, in the first fight. Isn't that how he got his nickname? The same one we give to a certain driver? Uh, hands of Stone. Hands of Stone. Well, that's Fern Paquette's Hands of Stone. Uh, Concrete hands. <laughs> hands of lead. I've I've been but I haven't been participating that much with Pompano. I've been I've been kind of watching. There's a lot of new faces, a lot of new horses, and I'm trying to get a feel for it before I start sending it in too much. Oh man, uh, I don't think Gabe's gonna like that. Plus, I mean, you can never go wrong with Wally Hennessy. No, Wally is you know Wally's Wally's the ageless. Wally has a book out. What? Yeah, I think Wally has a book book kind of like a, a, a biography wow i'll pick that up yeah it's, it's in canadian i don't know if you can can translate it <laughs> i can i can kind of read canadian i lived in canada for a little while so yeah. hey tim hortons you went to tim hortons yeah canadian? tim hortons they had the, the best frappuccino alive tim's timmy's i like canada I like the I expo. Like too. I like the expos. I was I was disappointed when the expos left. Yeah, didn't they play in Puerto Rico? I was I was kind of like a closet expo fan. Oh, I'm definitely an expo. I got I got a couple of expos hats. Yeah, they had some nice hats. I went to a game. We went to a game there when we were little kids, and you know Montreal can be kind of cold in the springtime, and I think it was it was sometime in the spring, and it was raining. And uh, they actually gave out rain jackets was the giveaway that day, which was actually pretty Man, good. that's money. <laughs> but there was about 4,400 people there. And, and like, you know, you're seven years old and you're in a Major League Baseball stadium. You don't care. Like, I thought it was great. And I, I remember Tim Foley got, like, the big hit. Tim Foley. Tim Foley. Yeah. You know, like, the worst hitter on both teams. And, and he wound up, like, coming up with the key hit. But, um. Yeah, it was kind of a cool place. And I like I like betting Mohawk, though I haven't been very successful. Mohawk's tough. Yeah. I you know what you know what I really like about Mohawk? They have free programs, and they've yeah, had free yeah, programs. Yeah, you get them right on the internet. Yeah. Download them every night. Like, I don't know why everyone doesn't do that. It just doesn't. Yeah, it's, it just seems. Especially really... when when you're dealing with a, a situation where you have no fans or, or a very small number of fans. Like, how many programs are you selling? You know. Yeah, n- not enough to make an impact on anything. Exactly. Like. That's I am... why I always wondered. You know, like back in the day, um, you know, I used to go to simulcasting at Rockingham Park and. <clears throat> they have this poor lady just sitting there trying to sell programs literally until like <laughs> the second to last race and then they wouldn't just leave them out because you know they it's not like they were doing anything with them right <laughs> you know they're only good for that day so i just wondered you know kind of what the hell were they thinking well, you know after a certain point why not just give them away because you know it's not you know, they weren't breaking the bank. They they probably made more money selling pizza than they did programs. You remember, tracks used to run nine races, and they used to open the gates after the eighth race went in the gate. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the, the people would, there'd always be a couple of people outside. Just waiting. 
waiting to come in for free. And I remember one day, and a lot of them would ask you for your program. If you're walking out with the program, they'd ask, hey, yep. can I get a program? So I was walking out of Goldstream Park one day. Guy asked me for the program. And I said, you know, here, I have, you know, hasn't done me any good. And he goes, you like anybody? And I'm thinking to myself, why would you ask if a guy likes anybody who's walking out of the track? But, you know, I, I, it was one of those thoughts I had later. And I was like, yeah, I love the three. And, of course, I had no idea who was even in the last race. I was there. I don't even remember why I was there. Yeah, you're giving out bum information. Right. I just told the guy I love the three in the last race, right? And I just walked home, whatever. And um, I'm watching the replay show later because that's what we have to, you know, in the old days we had to watch the replay show. Yeah. Usually like 6, 30, 7 o'clock at night. It was on uh, Sunshine Sports Network. Sports Channel. Oh, yeah, Sunshine Network, yeah, Sunshine right Network. Here. Yep, the, the kind of the Florida Sports Channel. So I'm watching all the races, and lo and behold, you know who wins the last race, right? Number three. Number three. The, and he paid like the horse. Stuff, the horse is like 57 to 1. Holy shit. So I'm thinking to myself, there's a guy out there who thinks I'm a freaking genius. <laughs> you know? I'm surprised he didn't come try to find you. And I never saw the guy again. I never did. I I always wanted it. So my, that guy's going to come up to me. That guy's going to come up to me one day and say, oh, my God, I made all this money betting on your horse. But I never saw that guy again. But that's a true story. I I just threw a number out. And, and, uh, and again, I was thinking about it later. I was like, why would you ask a guy who's leaving the track if he likes anybody? Why would he be leaving if he really likes someone? Right. But that actually happened, yeah. And the horse paid some outrageous price, and I was like, "Man, I wonder if that guy bet the horse." <laughs> He's probably thinking, "Oh my God, that guy! He he knew what was going to happen. He wanted to get out of here so he couldn't cash his tickets and peas or something. Who knows?" But yeah, that that's used to be happening. The tracks would would let people in after the eighth race, and they'd run nine races, and oh, it was it was just a. You know, sometimes, like, you see the tracks closed, like Calder's closed, and, and, I mean, the handwriting has been on the wall there. Actually, it hasn't even been on the wall, because there is no wall. But No walls. Like, once the track was torn, the, the, the grandson was torn yeah. down, there then was no it was, it was almost like the track was put in hospice. I mean, it, a track without a grandstand, and no, you know, working tote board, and the video was 10 seconds behind, and... I mean, it was just a, a a matter of time, but, you know, we knew it was coming, but it's still, it, it's hard to believe that it's gone, and, you know, you, sometimes that makes you the melancholy for the, the old days, and, and uh, I mean, I remember being at Calder on Christmas Day, one of the first years I was down in Florida in the wintertime, because there was nothing else to do on Christmas, but the track was opening, and this was kind of before um, so much money was bet off track, it was simulcasting is you know now adws are such a huge percentage of handle you you just couldn't run on a, a day when none of no other tracks ran but calder used to run on christmas day and do well they'd get yep. a big yep. crowd and i remember being a colder a lot of times when, when there was big crowds there not like overflowing like you know can't move derby day crowds but but nice, nice crowds nice you know crowd, yeah. lines to get stuff and uh, it was it was just a nice nice little track, and it sucks that it's gone. And you know you just sometimes wish you could go back and 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 just um, kind of savor the times that you had 
because you didn't know how things would turn out because the way they are now in racing it's just um it's just so much different and, and it's just it's it's almost the, the on track experience outside of Keeneland and Delmar and Saratoga and Saturdays at Gulfstream or um you know certain tracks on, on their big days it just is kind of an empty experience because it's just not that many people around and um, sometimes the buildings are, 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 are awful big for the amount of people that, that they get now. And that, um, that buzz that you used to feel at the track was, isn't, wasn't, isn't there anymore. And I remember just going to, to Belmont when I was, you know, in college or, or, um, you know, just, just going to Belmont on, on a regular day always felt like a big deal. You know, it's like, this is Belmont. And now Belmont, like, is played such a second fiddle to Saratoga in the, the Naira hierarchy that it, it, you go to Belmont and it, and it feels, it doesn't feel the same. And yeah, both... I remember going there as a kid, um, you know, we used to drive out from Flatbush all the way out to Belmont and, um, you know, every, you know, on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and then, uh, we'd go back to New Jersey on, on, uh, on Sunday night. But we'd spend the day out there, and it was fun. I used to beg my dad to buy me a knish because I thought it was the best food ever made. Um, and, and you know, I can, I can, I was just telling my wife this the other day. I, I, I can remember it like it was yesterday, going into Belmont, and just, you know, being in awe at how big the place was. You know, I'd never been to such a wide open space that was so big, and it was just amazing to me that you couldn't see the backstretch just by looking. You needed binoculars. Yeah. So my dad would, you know, he'd have the binoculars around his neck, and he's like, oh, take a look. And then we'd go upstairs and, you know, just get a lay of the land, and it was just majestic. It was huge. You know, it was just one of the biggest things I'd ever seen at that time. And, I, you know, I was probably about eight, nine years old. Um but it, it's just one of the places I just fell in love with the game, you know, and then you got the memories that it called her, you know, when things kind of expanded, I got older, um, you know, simulcasting got bigger, things like that. Um, you know, I can remember days where I, I literally bet <laughs> a Louis Saez pick four and hit, <laughs> he's, he swept all the races in the pick four a few times. Um, you know, it, it's just it just sucks to have these memories, and, and it's like you know I want to pass them down to my to my daughter, but it's just not the same. Yeah. You know, she's not going to get the same experience that I did. No, I mean you think about thoroughbreds and New Jersey. You know, it was Garden State, Atlantic City, Monmouth, and Meadowlands. <laughs> you know, and and those now, now we're back to uh, you know, Meadowlands. You know, it's gonna next year. I guess have a short turf meet again, and you know, mom and thoroughbreds on Monday nights was unmatched in the fall. Yeah, yeah, they cut, they cut. You know, Mammoth's days are, are are not you know what they used to be. Atlantic City is is basically in, in rubble, and uh, Garden State's a mall. Um, it just you know, it's just uh, all these places you you were. And and the racetrack was alive. That that was the thing. Was so when you were a kid, the racetrack was kind of an adult place, you know. Yep. And it was it, yeah. it was, was kind of like there was an energy to it, and 
and there was always these characters kind of like these wackadoo people but but they were interesting you know and and it was uh you know you could you could you you bet money and you 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 made you know you could make money and then there was the jockeys and the trainers that were kind of you know to to you to at least me growing up they're famous people to me they were like you know big big oh that's you know angel cordero that's a, he's a famous person you know like and that was one of the things about growing up in Saratoga is that racing was introduced to you at a young age. And, you know, when, when you're introduced to things as a, as a child, it's different than as an adult. Um, and you, you kind of just so much of that. I remember the first time I was at Santa Anita, I was like, it was like a magical place. You know, like wow, this is the place I'd seen. Unbelievable. I'd, I'd seen on TV once in a while, and that was the thing. It was once in a while. It wasn't an everyday thing, because they didn't have simulcasting like like there is now, or, or the internet, or ADWs, or things like that. So you only got to see a Santa Anita race. I mean, literally once in a while. Like we never got to see. When I was a kid, we never saw races from Del Mar. Never. The only time we ever saw a race from Del Mar was on the the replay show on Tuesdays on ESPN. Because there was no big races at Del Mar that would trump something at Saratoga. So Del Mar didn't have much, like, national television coverage. Yeah, I remember going to, to Saratoga, and the only the only time you'd ever see a race from Del Mar was the Pacific Classic when that was... And the Pacific contrived. Classic is only about 20 years old. Right. Um, so, like, I remember seeing Cigar lose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was at Saratoga that day. You know, just just little things like that. You know, I, I seeing Housebuster run. I thought Housebuster was the best horse ever. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> Tail the cat, saw him break a record there, track record. Um, you know, it, it, it's just those those memories. It, it just seems harder to recreate now than it was, say, you know, in the early mid nineties. It's just a different game. The world's different itself. And, you know, the game is obviously way different. Yeah. It's sad. It, you know, it, it would be good if things kind of progressed and, and kind of those things could last or even kind of change in a different way for the better. But it, it just seems like it's just fading. And, and that's not a good feeling. No, and, and there's nothing really that anyone can do about it. It just is what it is. And the world changes and... and, and uh... You know, life goes on, and and being mad about like Churchill hating racing, it's not going to change it. You know, but um, yeah, you just kind of when these tracks close, like Scarborough, right? I've never went to Scarborough Downs, but I heard so many guys when I was a kid working at the harness track talk about Scarborough, the Mojers, and a lot mm-hmm. of people came from Billy Parker. Um, you know, they started in Maine; they were from Maine, and you know, Saratoga was like a click up on the. The scale from from um, from uh, Maine, you know, the racing in Maine, uh, and even Vermont, Green Mountain, Scarborough, you know, was was kind of was like the bottom rung, and Saratoga was kind of like a rung or two above it, and then you know there was the big tracks, Roosevelt and, and Yonkers, and the Meadowlands was way ahead of everybody else back then, but uh, like it's been on death's door for a long time too. I mean, the place is in disrepair and it just is, uh, you know, changing world. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, when I was a little kid, Foxborough had a racetrack. 
Sure did. And uh, uh, Plain Ridge. <laughs> the fairs, the fairs in Massachusetts. There was a bunch of fairs: Marshfield Fair, Great Barrington Fair. Um, you know, th- those places were all still, still active, and um, just, it just as a. Uh, I mean, I don't know how long the Finger Lakes has to go. I don't know how long Golden Gate has to go. Arlington looks like it's on the on on the way out. Um, I mean, Pimlico was supposed to be saved, but I I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know if anything's I don't know if anything's happened or, or, you know, what the COVID situation and monetarily is going to do. I, I don't know. I, I really have no idea. But you know, Calder's gone now. Um, Golden Gate, we've talked about that. That's Hialeah, right? Hialeah's kind of you know in flux, and, and people have talked about, hey, it'd be great if Hialeah could run meet, you know, in lieu of Calder, which would be great. But it's getting that to actually happen is is there's so many dominoes that need to fall. It's a difficult thing to get done, and I'm not sure that the people that own and operate Hialeah are really um, committed to spending the amount of money and putting the time and effort it, it would take to get to run a three or four week meet I really I don't know I mean, it would be great if they did it would be awesome oh dude I'd I take vacation Hialeah is still one of those places I went there day. last I went there last fall just because I was in the area and I, I was going to pick up some some horse feed and, and from a warehouse there and I was actually a little bit early, and I said, you know, let me run over to Hialeah, and, and it's still, it's like, it's like nothing's changed since the first time I saw the place 25 years ago, and um, it's just a beautiful place, and it's just like, um, like, like a racetrack you see in the movies, well, you know, that was where they filmed Let It Ride, but yeah. it's got that, you know, that old-time racetrack feel that the Gulfstream doesn't have anymore, and even the Meadowlands, you know, like I remember going to the old Meadowlands, the big grandstand and huge grandstand. It has so many, like it was a four or five floors and, and the nice, you know, the new grandstand they have is nice. It, it's, it's fine. It, you know, you go up second, third floors, get a table and, and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's actually pretty nice, but it's small and it's not like, it's not the same. It's even though you're just across the other side, it's just a little different, you know, it's just a little different, but that's the way that's the way it goes, and life goes on. And and uh, I was I had gone to Calder on Friday, and I was actually there for the last race, and um, it kind of cleared out pretty quick, and got to be where I was like the only person there, and it was kind of cool because I, I took some pictures, and and um, I figured the next day. You know, it's the last, the, the last day, and there's going to be a bunch of people probably doing the same thing. And eh, you know what? I'll just this will be my last memory of the place, and and I walk and I and I left. You know, and and um, it's it's like that's an area of town like there's almost no reason for me to go. I mean, I guess if I went to a Dolphins game, but even then, I would get off a different exit. Right, and, you'd and, be on the other know, side. I wouldn't go to buy Calder for any any particular reason. And, um. It's just, uh, I mean, it made so many trips there over the years, uh, and, and it's it's right down the road. I mean, from Gulfstream, it's it's eight miles. Yeah, not it's far. really not far. But it's just 
like thinking of that you know i don't i don't see any reason why i'll ever come up back over to this part of you know this neck of the woods there's just not really any reason to go there for me so you know it's 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 sad and i still i'm a little skeptical about gulfstream picking up those dates because i just know that um that the turf course there gets beat up pretty good running 10 months a year towards the end of the, the meet it's always Shoot. it's getting to that point where like you start to question should you just skip races and wait for the next course you know over over at calder where it's going to be a little bit better but you know the weather is a big determination on on, on that and you know that it always regenerated itself enough to make it through the 10 month meet but that was with two months off, solid two months off. So, uh, hopefully the they can come up with some sort of plan that they just have a real tough time at Goldstream Park if if they don't have turf, they would have a real tough time carting full races, full fields for any length of time without turf. It'll be tough. I mean, turf is a big part of of the game there it's just huge you know and and it's it's uh it's tricky but uh but that's that's the world we live in and uh hopefully we can keep racing going and hopefully we can cash some tickets which hasn't been happening for me very often but but hey at least i didn't have the agony that you had the other day when they took oh, your number bro. down that still stings I mean, it's not like <laughs> the horse didn't win. I mean, I, I I did everything right and still lost, literally. Yeah, those are thanks, tough. Stewarts. Those are tough. Those are tough. Seems like there was a lot of Stewarts decisions recently. But... Oh, the, yeah, on Thanksgiving. I mean, in the first, I think it was the two, three races at, at Del Mar. It was went up to the stews. Yeah, it's the bet. one at Laurel that stung me. I didn't think they were going to change it. <sighs> yeah, it's. I've seen them leave that kind of thing up before, but we've talked that. The funny thing is, the one That's at Delmar was the same thing that happened at Laurel, and they did take them down. So, I guess that kind of made me feel better. <laughs> there was a point where I felt like. 85, 90% of the time when I saw an incident and then showed the replay, I could determine whether they would take the horse down or, or not take him down. About 9 out of 10, I, I was pretty confident. Now, yeah, now you have no idea. Now, it's a coin flip. It's an absolute coin flip. I, I, I watch races, and I have no idea if they're going to take a horse down or not. I mean, it's, it's just crazy in that... Um, it's just it's just nuts and and you know like we've talked about a million of times we see so many races nowadays from so many different places we have to for, we, we can't we have to not forget that it's tough to have consistency over at different tracks you know one yeah. track versus another track well they don't know what's going on in this track they they haven't ruled you know it's different stewards different situation but but it's just it's just like a coin flip nowadays it really is it's like a coin flip i i just uh it's very frustrating for for many people that just simply don't know anymore and what's okay and what's not okay and 
That that's a problem the game can solve. That that's a, well maybe not yeah. solve. Control the controllables. But, but, I say that all the time. Yeah. That's one of the controllables yeah. that the game can control. Yep. And we just need to do a better job, and that's all we're just do it. And it's just, I mean, we've we've been barking about this for months and months and months. They just need to do a better a uh, better job. That's all. More well, even if they explained it, you know that that I mean, it obviously wouldn't give me that sixteen hundred bucks. But at the same time, at least I can understand the rationale which caused them to make the change. Yep. Instead, you get just a number flip. Oh, the steward's determined that. There will be a change, and that's that. <laughs> you mm. know, at least they could. You know, I know Delmar had had Larry Colmes, you know, kind of explain things, which is kind of cool. You know, at least you know what they were thinking and why they did it. You may not agree with it, no, but at least there's an explanation there, which is which a step in the right direction. This is 2020, man. Like, right. people take videos of themselves jumping out of airplanes. We should be able to get. A, a, a 30 second steward's explanation of a di- disqualification or a non disqualification. You know, if the light blinks. Well, jockeys wear GoPro cameras, man. If the jockey, excuse me, if the, if, if the light blinks, we should get an explanation. That's all there's right. to it. That's all there's to it. If it's a frivolous claim of foul, say, say it. we don't think this, this foul had any merit at all, period. And then, you know, okay, great, awesome. All right, thanks. It's not that hard. It costs no money. There's no reason not to do it except stubbornness and stupidness. But but that's what we need to, to, to be doing in this business is, is little things that we can control. So so that'll be our theme for 2021. All right. Little Down things we can control. So, Barry, uh, as always, I appreciate your time and your input. You're reminiscing. And, uh, sorry about the DQ the other day, but... Oh, I was eating dinner, too, which was even worse, because I kind of jumped up. And I was like, yes! My single! The horse I wanted! Five to one! And then my wife looked at my face, and I said, yeah, we got a DQ going on. <laughs> <laughs> There's an inquiry. Not home yet. And sure enough, they took me down. But that's okay. I bounced back. I did that day, so I'm not really complaining too much. Yeah, just got to keep on firing. Put your head down and keep on firing. Shoot, man. Yep, you got it. All right, Barry, we appreciate it, as always. All right, man, thanks. See you. Bye. And that was the sniper, Barry Spears. I want to thank him for spending a couple hours every Monday night talking about the game. And I appreciate everyone who listens. I'm always willing to take uh, hear any feedback. Cannon Shell at Twitter or Going in Circles Podcast at Gmail. Thanks. Good.